0: This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back to Yet More in Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. Hi. If you like bees, you're going to struggle today. I'm your host, registered nutritionist, Pixie Turner. (laughs) And I'm cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Nikki Stamp. Hello again, and welcome to our
0: bonus episode. Since there is a whole extra Tuesday this month, we're going to look at a fifth episode of the recent Netflix documentary series, Unwell, and we're finishing up with the bees.
1: Yes, bees. You know, those honey making, stinging black and yellow creatures that buzz around those because even bees and bee stings are not safe from wellness treatment. The poor bees are literally laying down their lives in the name of wellness without consent. (laughs) Just to make that clear, they're not consenting to this. And there are some really big claims being made in this, our last episode on this latest Netflix offering. Some massive claims made and some really interesting characters
0: in this one. And by interesting, I mean bad. Um, look, I have <laughs> very bad. <laughs> they're really bad. I have to be honest. This one it feels a little personal to me because my brother is seriously allergic to bees. So it felt a little flippant to me the way they're like, "Oh, bee venom cures everything." Um, no, <laughs> no. It's- it Whoa! Spoiler alert, Nikki. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I mean, look, <laughs> if you're listening to us, you kind of know our shtick by now. We're uh, yep, <laughs> we like anti whatever they're saying. Um, but look, anyway. Let's get stuck into this episode. So we are starting, we're starting with the superficial, um, obviously. We're starting with heaven skincare. I mean, just even the name of that, I was just like, this just doesn't sound good. So there's a lady called Deborah. And Deborah apparently had the idea of putting bee venom onto your face. It just came to her in the middle of the night and she wants to look 10 years younger. And apparently, rumour has it that she made these masks, which cost, by the way, £300 for a, a jar of the face cream and the masks and all these other Oof. things. Like, that's super expensive. Um, she made these and the rumour is, is that Catherine... Duchess of Cambridge, use this on her wedding day to look regal. That's the rumour.
1: Wait, wait, why do you call her Catherine? Be-
0: because isn't that her actual name? I thought her name is not actually Kate. Yeah, but people aren't going to know who you're talking <laughs> about. We, We're talking about Kate Middleton. Obviously, but you know. <laughs> I feel like we should be sure a little bit of respect. You know, she has to put up with that family. Mm. Good point. More power to you, sister. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, a.k.a. Kate Middleton, used this allegedly on her wedding day. And, you know, it's supposed to plump up the skin and Deborah's giving some poor woman a facial and talking about how it's just going to make her look 10 years younger. Um, really, really, really tapping into people's vanity. But I just... I didn't really see that much of a difference afterwards. You know, she looked like she put a moisturizer on.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It didn't actually look very different. The idea behind this having these anti-aging promises is that it apparently makes it look like you had Botox. And this is because it does contain the botulism toxin in the same way that Botox does. That's where the name comes from. Mm -hmm. No wonder it's so expensive in that sense, because Botox is not exactly cheap either. But while Botox lasts many months, this mask apparently only lasts for around 12 hours. Mm. So considering the price you're paying for it, temporarily it would mean you would have to reapply the cream, the moisturizer, the mask, whatever it is, every day to get those same anti-aging appearances in your face, which doesn't really seem that worth it to me.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't think it does either. I, I think if you're spending that much money, you know, you probably got a little bit too much to, to to throw around, and i I felt I felt a bit bad. I felt like this was this kind of promise is tapping into, particularly for women, uh, a lot of insecurities around aging, and we get to actually hear from uh, two women by the name of Holly and Victoria who basically look into the claims that are made by various beauty products and they look into the research behind these products and while they said that you These kinds of bee venom treatments, these face creams can make people feel a bit better, that when these products are tested, they're not tested in a robust environment. And we've all heard various face creams say, you know, 80% of women feel more hydrated or 90% of women saw a difference, you know, after 12 weeks. Those claims are are basically spin, they're marketing. And if I'm going to be spending 300 quid on a face cream, I'd like to have a little bit more than marketing behind those claims. I would like an A4 page of citations, please. 100%. I want to see that this stuff actually works. I'm, I'm not going to be throwing around that much money on something that doesn't work and probably just going to make me itch. Because let's be honest, that's kind of what we're, we're looking at. So again, yeah, they're just they're just saying that these things cause a bit of swelling so that your wrinkles disappear. disappear. Um, and many of these products don't actually have a high enough dose of the bee venom to actually have an effect. So we're, just, we're being scammed. We're being scammed at every turn <laughs> in this film. But that's 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 the superficial stuff, right? We're going to we're not just spending a whole episode talking about face creams. But we start to move from face creams into
1: more serious applications of bee venom therapy. Yeah. So this is where we meet Kerry. Kerry, when she was 19, she started researching Lyme disease because she'd been unwell for a number of years before that. Couldn't really figure out what was wrong. And she started researching Lyme disease. And so she asked for a test. She got the diagnosis. It's important to point out at this point that her diagnosis was late stage Lyme. Mm. Now, that wording is going to become really important in just a couple of minutes mm. because late stage Lyme disease is a legitimate diagnosis. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's a legitimate diagnosis. Yeah. So apparently this means that she she has arthritis, she has organ damage and so on. And it's late stage in the sense that it took many years to reach the diagnosis. So it had been in her system for a long time. Now Lyme disease I believe when you discover it pretty soon you can get rid of it much more easily through things like antibiotics. Late stage a bit more complex because it's been in the system for a lot longer therefore that can make it a bit more difficult to get rid of. So she took IV antibiotics had a bad reaction to that it seems had a bunch of pills that she was she was prescribed Mm -hmm. and she didn't like all those pills so she went to a homeopath who gave her endless pills and potions. <laughs> How is that better than taking the pills that you're prescribed by a doctor? It's actually more pills than there were before. And it's so expensive because in addition to that, she goes to acupuncture mm. and a chiropractor. This actually sounds more expensive than going to conventional medical treatment at this point.
0: Right? That's that's what I thought as well. So I guess we should just give a very quick overview on Lyme disease because it does come up quite a bit during this film. So Lyme disease is actually an infectious disease. It's a tick-borne disease. So it means that people get bitten by specific species of ticks, which uh, introduce a bacteria called Borrelia, uh, and they then start to get a whole bunch of signs of acute infection, including things like fever, headaches, um Joint aches and pains, neck stiffness. Uh, they get a very typical rash. Um, usually happens about a week once once they get bitten. Now, these the ticks that spread this uh, disease are not everywhere. They're not all throughout the world. They're found in certain parts of Europe. They're found in in North America. Not really in Australia. So you know it, it's not something that you're going to get from uh, from being in Australia. But then, as you mentioned, you're right, when you get it, if it's picked up, you can get given uh, antibiotics and that works particularly well. Um, If you've been bitten by a tick, you can take that out straight away. But yes, there are a group of people who go on to develop something called late stage Lyme disease, which is when you start getting... You start getting chronic symptoms, and over time, they can cause damage to your joints, to your kidneys, a whole bunch of other things, to your nerve cells. You know, it's it's really difficult. So that's a, a legitimate thing. Now, here's where the controversy comes in, because there is another disease that is commonly commonly talked about in the wellness literature. It's pretty popular by some is something called chronic Lyme disease and this is very different to that late stage Lyme disease now the reason that this is controversial is that by and large the medical researchers into this area don't think that this is caused by the same bug it's not caused by Borrelia bacteria not quite sure what it's caused by some people you know who have these symptoms which can be things like fatigue muscle pain and so on and so forth can have it explained by a condition like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome and so their symptoms are real i I think this is where we where we come back to quite a lot of the time just because someone says that that disease doesn't really exist it doesn't mean that someone is saying that your symptoms aren't real so we believe that these people feel crap like we totally get that but Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, is really controversial, so much so that people who have written about this, um, researchers who have written about this, particularly when it's been published in very high-profile medical journals or media outlets, have received death threats. Wow. There's been researchers who have had to get personal protection because they've had so many death threats. So really, really emotive, really emotive topic, okay, okay? That's kind of what we're dealing with, and this disease comes up a lot during <laughs> a lot during this um, during this episode.
1: Yeah, it is actually a really interesting slight tangent to go down. This idea that wellness is actually quite good at coming up with non legitimate diagnoses, if we can, mm. it, as a kind of general broad category, leaky gut great example leaky gut is a symptom it is not a diagnosis at all it is not a legitimate diagnosis adrenal fatigue also very real symptoms bullshit diagnosis it's not a real thing in that sense yeah chronic Lyme is is similar you know these symptoms are legit the symptoms are real and you know when we when we say that this is not a legitimate and recognized diagnosis we say that not to Discredit and undermine people's experiences. Actually, I think it is really important to actually point that out because people deserve to get a diagnosis that is legit and accurate. That is my stance. When people say, you know, we'll talk about adrenal fatigue. I'm like, no, you deserve to get a diagnosis that is actually accurate, that actually fits, and is not made up by some wellness wankers who've decided this is something they can therefore sell you some supplements to cure because it doesn't work that way. So. I hope that you can see where we're coming from with this is actually an empowering stance of getting accurate information that is legitimate, that is helpful, and that you can get much better treatment and advice for because you actually have the proper diagnosis for what's going on with you. You have an accurate representation, not something that technically doesn't really exist. So it's very much coming from that perspective.
0: Yeah, and I just—I guess on, on that point, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a slight tangent as well. You know, I, I acknowledge as a member of the medical profession that healthcare has not been very good with people who don't have an easy explanation for their their symptoms um, whether that be you know symptoms that are attributable to perhaps a psychological distress or or genuine physical symptoms we've not been very good at that and by and large a lot of these kind of syndromes and groups of symptoms etc tend to disproportionately affect women mm. and in medicine Uh, I'm very, very critical of, of this part of my profession. In medicine, we have been really bad at looking after women, even women who have illnesses that we know a lot about, like heart disease, for example. We have really paternalistic and patriarchal roots in medicine and we are now bearing the fruits of that (laughs) we've we've ignored women and their symptoms for for so long and now they're frustrated they have every right to be and we need to do a little bit better and you know I see I see quite a few people with chronic pain because sometimes they have had operations or something else to do with their chest wall and there's no physical thing that I can fix for them or there's no ongoing physical stimulus that's causing that chronic pain but I always say to them your pain is 100% real your body is processing it different to say my body processes your symptoms are 100% real now let's see what we can do about it and that's what we should be doing and that's what we want to do here as well as we say all of these like pseudo science syndromes that don't really have a biological basis. That's just that, that label is not right. That doesn't mean that you having that experience and you having those symptoms are not real. Hundred percent believe you on that front.
1: Yeah. Well said. So back to back to Carrie, who says that she turned to Instagram to find answers from random strangers. This is generally speaking not a great idea. So people, please don't don't do this. Please just don't. No. So she turned to Instagram and one of her followers told her about bee venom therapy and she talks about how she's always been drawn to bees. And at this point, I'm asking myself, well, if she's always been drawn to bees, why has she never accidentally been stung before and then noticed the benefits? And then it's like, oh wait, she actually (laughs) has been stung before and nothing happened. So somehow this time it's going to be different. Interesting, let's see how that turns out for her. And, of course, she hasn't told her doctor about the fact that she is going to this retreat place called the Heel Hive. Of course it is. Um, Just for
0: the umpteenth time, we've said this before, we'll say it again, if you are going to do something like this, bees, vitamins, juicing, butt coffee, whatever – please tell your doctor Mm -hmm. we want to know we may not be happy we may say probably please don't do it Uh, but just at least tell us we just need to know okay just start with that please (laughs) start with that Uh, so the heel hive the heel hive is interesting there's a lady by the name of brooke who runs it brooke Mm, brooke Okay, so Brooke tells me that... Not a doctor. Brooke is not a doctor. Brooke tells us that she ha- apparently had chronic Lyme disease and she sounded like she was having a really shit time of it. Uh, she had a lot of fatigue and other bits and pieces that no one could really put put a finger on as to what was happening. And she comes up with the heel hive. She somehow heal, hears about, again, bee venom therapy from you know from where was it from social media as well this is after she had a paleo bakery she's just kind of doing the rounds of the various wellness trends
1: it's so cliche she's such a classic (laughs) wellness wanker it's
0: it's it's amazing to see and like also I don't want to like cast too I don't want to make too many judgment calls that may not be correct but Brooke also looks like a fairly affluent middle upper middle class white woman um which is like prime wellness you know target for consumer and provider so anyway so Brooke um, Brooke has basically decided that she's going to heal herself she comes across B venom therapy she has it herself and because she had such a good response people started to encourage her to share that with other people which she's been doing she created the heal hive her social media handle is everyday expert oh. I was like wow arrogant much I didn't even have expert in my any of my social media, anything. Do you know why? Because even though I have
1: expertise, I don't walk around calling myself an expert. Because I'm not a wanker. Yeah. Have you noticed that generally the people who call themselves experts actually tend to not be experts? There's a real interesting correlation there between people who think they're experts and people who actually Or people who describe themselves as experts and people who actually are. There does seem to be an interesting correlation there. You know, she is not a doctor. No, no. Now, can she actually fucking act like she's not a doctor? Because she is very much talking as if she is one and it's really concerning she says Mm. take healing into your own hands and i just thought what a great way to absolve yourself of all responsibility it sounds like she has a really solid disclaimer and legal team Mm. to try and you know absolve herself of it or the entire team to absolve themselves of as much responsibility as possible you know they Take healing into your own hands is such a, no, no, you're doing this, so therefore if it goes wrong, it's not our fault, it's your fault. And of course, all the people who work there have all been healed. It's just like with Gerson therapy.
0: Yeah, right, is so culty. Um, if you go, we talk a lot about what they say in these films, but if you go onto her website and her social media uh, platforms, there's a lot of stuff that's being said that isn't said on here. You know, that she ta- she um, she basically talks about how bee venom has been proven to outperform antibiotics, eradicates HIV, immobilises virus, reduces inflammation, ampl- all these kinds of things absolute nonsense of course bee venom um treats COVID-19 she's oh my god I just find this is this is like overstepping a big mark uh overstepping a line really for me and you're absolutely right she talks with such authority that she doesn't have Um, and we'll talk come back to her later when we talk about some of the experts who are in this film who we are just absolutely uh, adoring of but first of all we we are exposed to what the heel hive actually does And she has these, as you say, these retreats and they go to this beautiful venue. It looks like a a long table lunch that you you would go to with your girlfriends and have like an absolutely smashing day. But instead, what you're going to do is inject yourself with bees. And at every place on the table, there's an EpiPen. An EpiPen contains adrenaline, which is used to treat anaphylaxis. And at this point, I was just like, oh my God, Oh my god she is fully aware of the risk that she is submitting these people to and she's doing it anyway i just i can't i can't even begin to tell you how cross this made me
1: yeah and also just to clarify when you say inject themselves it's not about putting something into a syringe and you know injecting into your Mm -hmm. veins we're talking like a literal injection where the bee is picked up with tweezers and is positioned on a particular part of the body, kind of smushed into the skin until it stings. And then the sting is left in. The bee is uh, is removed. And then we watch the bee die. Because, yeah, let's just point out that fact. Bees die. Honeybees, they, they die when they sting you. And mm. bees are not having a great time right now in the world. The population mm. of bees is decreasing. They're becoming endangered. And we need to be upping the population of bees. So just as a general principle, knowing that, I had real difficulty watching this, knowing that this is something that is unproven, is unlikely to work, and is killing these bees when we need more bees in the world, not less. And it just, I think it just really encapsulates the the selfishness and the ridiculousness of the entire wellness industry. Mm-hmm agree
0: agree our, our whole food systems are dependent on bees being able to pollinate the plants that we eat right so let's just go kill a whole bunch of them for no no good reason uh, so so at this at this slight like, little retreat there is uh, they're they're showing them Brooke gives them a quick crash course on how to use an epipen uh, and and you're right they this comes back to her obviously very very astute legal team Brooke never administers the bee venom to the participants, right? They do it to themselves. She doesn't touch them. She doesn't help them at all. She is totally hands off. And I feel like that is so she can be like, hey, wasn't me. I didn't do it. They injected themselves. And she has her doctor, her doctor there is a bloke called Goodman, who is her own doctor. uh, And he's decided that he wants to do this because he doesn't want people on opiates. (sighs) Okay, Dr. Goodman one doctor to another opiates aren't always a bad thing if people have pain and they need painkillers that's fine they should be given in a supervised fashion the answer isn't then to induce pain like that doesn't make any sense um so he's he's there participating in this absolute farce and I found that very unethical as a medical practitioner that he was sitting there knowingly being a participant in an event where people were going to be self-administering B venom which we know which we know causes life-threatening reactions in a number of people and he's just going to want to sit there and watch and endorse this. And so he says something stupid like there are thousands of citations on bee venom. No, mate, there aren't. Calm down, okay? This is just not what you think it is. And, you know, i I, I'm very, very, very unimpressed with him.
1: Yeah, lots of problems with the healing hive, lots and lots of problems. But now we come to my favourite part in this, probably this entire series, because at this point we meet Dr. Stephen Novella. And let me just say, I love this man. He is fantastic. He is a neurologist, and he has a fantastic platform, podcast, and book called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe amazing team of people Mm -hmm. fantastic he is so good i actually met him once when we were both speakers at the same conference back in 2018 it was a qed conference Uh, i did i did a talk there he also um he also spoke there and they did a podcast recording and i actually handed him an award and shook his hand amazing guy legend just wanted to say that i I have met him he is fantastic yeah okay stop rubbing it in (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he says this fantastic quote that I love. He says, yes, there are problems with mainstream medicine, but turning to an unproven therapy isn't a solution. Yes, Stephen Novella, no. you nailed it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Because that's how it feels as well. It feels a bit
0: culty, right? That they're kind of like banding together. We're going to be, you know, insulate ourselves from the outside. We're going to completely eschew the outsiders, i.e. doctors, and then Novella comes along and he's like, no, no, that is just wrong. Now here is a guy who is a neurologist, so he actually had a genuine interest in in B venom therapy for uh, conditions like multiple sclerosis and um, Can I just point out that I first heard of B venom therapy for as a treatment option for multiple sclerosis when I was in medical school, which really? was about twenty years ago. yeah, Damn. like it was like people were going, "Oh, is this interesting, and nothing has progressed since then That's not usually. Not always, but not usually a good sign that there is legitimacy to to said treatment, but he is amazing. He is the best expert in this whole series by a long shot. He speaks so eloquently. He knows so much. He, you know, breaks down the 63 components of bee venom. One, the major one is, is a protein called melatonin. And he says this amazing thing, you know, most of the things that have evolved in the natural world will kill you because nature doesn't care about humans. And that's true. So like bee true. venom is literally, literally there to, to maim, hurt, even kill people to protect the hive. So why are we injecting it? And he he says that melatonin is really interesting because it's there to cause pain and destroy tissues. So it produces cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It produces analgesics or makes us produce analgesics. So when we inject, say, bee venom into knees for arthritis, it's possible that there's these low, induces these local anti-inflammatory reactions. But as Novella points out, this is a pretty clumsy way to provoke a good reaction instead of injecting 63 chemicals that are designed to provoke us to create cortisol why not just give us cortisol
1: mm. <laughs> and i'm like yes 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 exactly that makes sense no painful side effects and you don't
0: kill a bee 100 percent. so much better um yeah you know, so he is totally totally my hero and i i think that the reason that he is such a good expert is obviously he is so so knowledgeable this is his area he knows what he's talking about but he also just straight up calls out the bullshit around this the sort of culty nature of it the way people become believers all all of this kind of cultural stuff that happens around wellness so he was freaking amazing which is then so funny because then we go back to you know the heel hive brook who says, oh, we don't know much about Bee Venom at all, except that it works. Right?
1: Like, this contrast was just <laughs> so beautiful. Straight oh. after we see Novella say exactly how Bee Venom works, we go back to Brooke who says, we don't know why it works. And it I had to pause and laugh so much because it was just that juxtaposition was truly an excellent filmmaking decision. Yeah, really, really good. So clearly she knows nothing, right? That, that's kind
0: of what they're saying. But again, this this is something that bothered me throughout all of these episodes. We picked up on that because we're looking for it. We're, like, we're straight onto it. We're looking at this critically. If you're a fence sitter in this kind of thing, you might find the opposite effect. It doesn't really drive home the fact that here's an expert, knows what he's talking about. He, here we are discrediting the, the wellness person. It doesn't really drive home that she's not, she's not the message we should be listening to. It should be his message that we're listening to. That kind of bothered me, but doesn't take away from the fact that, Dr. Novella, you are my hero. Amazing. Amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. And there are real dangers that come with things like bee venom and anaphylaxis is no small thing. It is really serious.
0: I have anaphylaxis. Um, I am allergic to peanuts. Um, my brother is allergic to is allergic to bees. I've had to give him adrenaline before when he's been stung by a bee. Oh, wow. It's really really scary, right? Um, I've get, had to give myself adrenaline when I've eaten peanuts, and it is really concerning. It's really concerning because it's very scary, but. It's scary because you might die. So anaphylaxis is a massive systemic allergic response. This is not hay fever. This basically shuts down your whole body that is life-threatening. So when you get exposed to an allergen, so for me it's peanuts or in or – in, in this case or in my brother's case, it's bees. Your body reacts aggressively through something called mast cell degranulation. So mast cells are sort of part of your immune system and they store like a shit ton of histamine. Histamine basically is massively released throughout the body. It travels through the bloodstream. It causes extremely low blood pressure, causes bronchospasm, which is when your airways kind of squeeze down and like, like you get an asthma, so it can stop your breathing. Um, it causes you know massive rash lots of itchiness and people people die the interesting thing about anaphylaxis is that people may have had a previous like benign local reaction but then can still go on to have anaphylaxis so these people for example in this film who are who are having the bee stings they could have been stung by a bee in the past and not had much of reaction but then go on to have like a serious reaction this time so it's not at all reassuring now Anaphylaxis is fatal. It kills people in up to 2% of cases and about half of people who have a bee allergy who died didn't know, didn't know that they were allergic before beforehand so they get right so the, again these people could could die now i've treated people with anaphylaxis besides myself and my brother um before and they had the epipens, which is adrenaline so adrenaline will basically tighten up your blood vessels to counteract the histamine and it will also open up your airways to counteract the histamine so that your blood pressure is decent and you can breathe and you you live but sometimes that doesn't work Sometimes we have to give multiple doses. Sometimes we give adrenaline as an infusion. So even if you have one EpiPen, it might not save someone's life. So it's quite reckless for them to to be doing it like this. And in the the medical literature, uh, so bee venom therapy has been investigated in medical settings and in the medical literature when they've looked at the frequency of adverse events in these medical trials, the adverse events to bee venom therapy are actually really frequent. Uh, And this is something that wasn't mentioned in the film and I feel like this was really remiss of them to do so. So this article states that 28.8% of people, so nearly a third of participants, had had a reaction
1: and some of them were serious some of them were less serious that's so high my god i would have not have i genuinely would not have thought it'd be that high that is amazing Mm -mm. and in in the worst way possible like amazing in a bad way
0: (laughs) right exactly um so that's really concerning and it because because this has come from medical studies where you are obliged by law to report adverse events like this it's possible that the rates of reaction in settings like the heel hive could even be higher because they're underreported. So this is very concerning. And there are cases, there are cases of people who have died from bee venom therapy. Just to give you an idea as well, this is my public service announcement. If you think somebody is having an anaphylactic reaction, call an ambulance, Lie them down. Give them an EpiPen. You might need to give them more than one. I have three at home just if anyone ever needs to give me an EpiPen. And if they have an asthma inhaler, give that to them as well, okay, because this is seriously life-threatening. This is this is no time for heel-hive nonsense, okay. Um, please, 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 please give an EpiPen. You might save a life. Also, don't inject yourself with bees. Mm.
1: <laughs> yes, and remember how in the second episode, we talked about how there was this little tokenistic tangent into a non-white community? We are doing the same thing again here. We go to the Gaza Strip and we get, you know, maybe five minutes or so of this family, who where the entire family gets stung by bees in a kind of medical-ish esque center they go every every week i believe for various different reasons the daughter lost her hair and apparently the bee stings helped it grow grow back like things like that they all have a different reason and the father says bees receive divine messages from god Mm -hmm. once again we have such a strong link between religion and wellness this really does seem to be a pattern that we have noted several times during these episodes it's a repeated pattern it's quite interesting how you know we have this tokenistic non-white element to some of these episodes we have the religious element here it's Mm -hmm. there's some really interesting patterns that are that are going on and i found it a little bit uncomfortable to watch this little boy who had hearing issues being held down so that a bee could sting behind his ear and therefore help him to hear better that was a little bit uncomfortable to watch i'm not gonna lie
0: yeah same i didn't like that as well because he's like kicking and screaming and i know like we we have to do medical procedures for kids sometimes that they don't really find very uncomfortable you know they have to get vaccinations sometimes they have to have medicines and they will kick and scream but i feel like that's kind of justified because we know that you know that actually works and it actually helps them to watch this kid get stung by a bee you know when i was a kid I don't want to get stung by a bee. I actively avoided them. <laughs> it just felt, it felt really strange. And again, yes, agree. We did talk about this in breast milk. Uh, it It just felt really strange and tokenistic. Like why, you know, but I guess, I guess it's important to appreciate and I think this has come up a few times, is that some of these wellness practices have cultural roots. I'm not saying that I, I actually don't know if um, perhaps in Palestine that there is, you know, a strong cultural attachment to bees. But, you know, I think it's really important to to remember that a lot, no, maybe not a lot, but some of the wellness practices that we are exposed to do have roots in other cultures. Uh, and in those times they're done differently they're done safely you know ayahuasca was another example of that mm-hmm. so
1: it,
0: it just it felt a bit weird and i think it's a good reminder as well to to be mindful of the things that we steal from other people's cultures
1: yeah absolutely and speaking of the kind of the patterns that we've noticed over the course of these episodes once again in this episode we end on this hopeful note I think is fair to say we end on a note that's you know oh maybe this is going to help maybe this is working and I don't agree with the way these episodes are ended I don't agree with the filmmaking choices when it comes to that
0: No, same. So we, so we end with, with Carrie, back with Carrie, where she's at home, she's come back from her retreat safely, thank God, and she's having to inject herself with a bee. So she gets bees, live bees, and she has to put them on her back. And, you know, she always cries when the bee dies. And it's very sad. But yeah, the, the the overarching message in each and every one of these episodes is that it always ends on someone who is happy with the treatment and feels like they have gotten a benefit from it, when in reality, the benefits for bee venom therapy are not really there. Uh, so if we actually go and look at the science behind them, bee venom therapy has been investigated, is being investigated. Sometimes it's being used as its whole you know, bee venom um, in its entirety. Sometimes it's being used in you know, with little synthetic components of it. You know, there has been studies that have shown some benefits to bee venom therapy in cells, in rats, in other animal models. There is really at the moment no convincing evidence that bee venom therapy is particularly in the way that it's being portrayed as used in this film, that is actually going to to do you any good. And as we've just heard, there is a genuine and real potential for harm. Now, does that mean that we should completely stop investigating even no, I don't think that's what we're saying. I think that what we need to keep in mind is that it needs to be done safely. Um, it needs to be done scientifically. Um, we need to get out rather than give, as Dr. Novella said, give 63 compounds that are literally designed to cause tissue damage and pain. We need to get out what works and, and use that. But again, that's not what we left with. And I I was left wanting. I did not feel that they... Really addressed quite as strongly as they should have, apart from Stephen novella's very very succinct, very expert points, I don't think they addressed it that much, you know, and he had such a tiny amount of screen time, and we're fangirling over him because we're like, yes, yes, he did the damn thing, he was amazing, mm-hmm. but I don't know if every everyone else will feel that, and because we're left with this you know happy, warm, fuzzy story at the end uh, i just don't I don't think the the genuine concerns that people have over this are really, really well communicated.
1: Yeah. And if I were to sum up my verdict on this entire series, I would do it by using a quote from Stephen Novella, who says, I draw the distinction between offering hope and offering false hope. And that, you know, that sums it up for me. This documentary series just does not make that distinction between realistic hope and false hope they do not make that distinction clear at all mm. and i feel like they really they really miss the mark with that they could have done that so much better and some of it is just clever filmmaking in the way that they ended the series it, and they ended each individual episode some of it is this idea of oh no we have to be balanced and this bullshit argument that both sides have equal weight you know good people on both sides <laughs> no absolutely That's not the way it works. And so I had, I had really, actually I had reasonably high hopes going into this whole series. It sounded really interesting from the trailer and it was just overall a bit of a disappointment. There were occasional really great people, Christy Harrison, Stephen Novella, Mm -hmm. great people. But overall, it was a disappointment and I feel like there was so much wasted potential in this whole series
0: same i mean I, absolutely same i i also had high hopes i mean i think we've said this before we were texting each other going oh my god finally <laughs> finally but it just falls so short of the mark i think some episodes did better than others i think essential oils was you know better i think that breast milk although you know we've already said that it didn't kind of it didn't really debunk anything it didn't sort of it didn't promote it that much either as whereas i think Ayahuasca, I think fasting and I think this one, the bee venom, I think they fell way, way, way short of what I think is a reasonable standard for something that is trying to debunk wellness. And we've talked, we talked about this with Vax that they, they use false balance. I don't think they even give any balance. I think they give more screen time to people who are having positive experiences with it. I think they give more screen time to people who are promoting and earning money from these treatments. The experts just drop in and out really quickly. And even when they're amazing, like Novella, um, like Christie, they kind of get lost. <laughs> they get lost in the whole experience of the film. I think the the, the negative stories were really important. I think people will probably remember those and i hope they do like the the woman whose husband very sadly died after doing the water fasting but again, they just they just don't get it. And I've said this a few times, the lack of narrator really annoyed me because you don't then have someone directing your attention to the important things. We've watched these really critically. We've paused them and written notes and looked things up and, you know, relied on our own uh, education, our experience, our training and all those kinds of things. Not everybody is going to do that. Some of them will just watch it all the way through and what we're left with at the end is Kerry feeling better. I just, I I think that I don't know. It's a no for me. That's the only way I can sum this up. Uh, And I'm really
1: sad. It's a missed opportunity. So to sum up, hey, Netflix, won't you pay us to do this next time? We (laughs) would do a much better job than these guys. So much better. Call me. Call me, Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) So, (sighs) next month. Uh, What's up next? i'm excited i'm not
0: well i'm excited because i think we're gonna give the people what they want um and this we we did this series because it was extremely highly requested like when unwell came out people were like adding us every two seconds going can you do unwell can you do unwell so we're going to bow to pressure once more and what has been described by you guys our various followers as the worst health documentary on netflix i haven't seen it so i'm very intrigued what the health is up next we we're gonna do it um there's something about eggs and cigarettes
1: apparently and that's already gotten my back up (laughs) i've i've seen it once before and it makes me so unbearably angry it's (laughs) but you know we are here to serve the people and we shall give the people what they want so that's all for unwell thank god join us next week to find out everything that is wrong with what the health and believe me it's a long list, so buckle up.
0: <laughs> oh, um thoughts and prayers for us having to watch this. Now, in the meantime, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating because that's how people will find our little podcast and of course tell your mates, tell your mum, tell whoever if you have questions or comments as always please get in contact with us on email love to hear what you thought of unwell if you've seen it i know a lot of people have seen it so please tell us what you think uh you can get us on email in bad taste podcast at gmail.com we really love hearing from you as always you can come and see us on our socials pixie is at pixie nutrition and i am at dr nikki stamp and As per usual, we will leave you references and relevant links in the show notes below.
1: Oh boy, next month is going to be a tough one, but join us there to find out what we think of What The Health. (laughs) She's mad already. Bye. Okay, bye.
0: Podcast may contain. Okay. Did you just laugh Sorry. while I was drawing on neck? The- <laughs> I'm fine. No, you're not. Now who's dripping major ballsack? Like- <laughs> i got the gigs. i got the giggles. Okay. Mm, serious things. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.